Video games make you boring. Listen to us. Because we've been playing so many games, and it just rotted our fucking brains. We don't have anything else to say. Like, the intros where we talk about our non-games Parents are right, man. Parents are right. Hey. Okay. Hey, hey. How about the weather? See? Do you see what I mean? How about the weather? See? Now, what if I'm like, how about the Mega Man? Whoa. Oh, I love this blue dude. I love this blue dude. I like how his gun feels. I think it's a good feeling gun. Yeah. Russ, how's your uh, son? Eh, you know. But how's Simon Belmont? Oh, fuck. When he (laughs) shoots that whip out and he's like, oh, my God, right in Dracula's face. And Dracula's all like, nah, not cool, dog. Hey, Plant, how's your spiritual walk these days? I've been meaning to ask you, like, where you're at religiously. You know, I, 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 it's kind of complicated because I'm Earthworm born Jim. Catholic. I was born Catholic, but Earthworm Jim. Earth, 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 No shit, not again. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Russ Welcome to the best season. We're talking about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. I bet you didn't know that with every episode, you get a free skit. And we don't advertise that enough, that in every podcast, there's usually a free skit at the beginning. You know, people call it a cold open. I call it a hot open because it call starts it a skit hot. Just now. Uh, we, we don't just have one game for you this week on this uh, interactive entertainment buffet. There's a whole whole a variety of uh, electronic confections. Chris Plant, normally this is where I'd ask you to explain that, but the concept of variety I don't think is something that you uh, to... No, like a potpourri, maybe? A potpourri, <laughs> I believe. Potpourri? Potpourri. Well, we're going to talk about that and uh, all the games, all the hottest games right after this. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. 
And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. This first one hurts just about as much as it can. Does it hurt? Yeah. This one hurts a lot. Why is that? Yeah, it hurts me the most something could possibly hurt me. Why? Why? It's well, it's <laughs> it's causing me max pain. Oh no! <laughs> Maximum pain from this. Oh, person. that's fucking funny, dude. That's, that's funny, funny, dude. They can use that developer. Use you that. Use that's that. yours. Click Can I be it. honest with you guys? This is one of the games on uh, this episode that I have not checked out yet. And and I'll be no, I'll be honest with you. I think it's just because the title made me think it was going to be uh, a very thinky indie game experience, sort of like a um, like a Kentucky Route Zero or something. Like El Paso Elsewhere sounds like the sequel to Kentucky Route Zero. It and does. honestly, tonally, it is not far off. Yes. From, um, uh, it's from a three D remake of, of Kentucky Route Zero with guns, <laughs> a reimagining. It does do the trippy El Paso Elsewhere is the game, and it does do that trippy, uh, uh, whatever that other game is called, Kentucky Route Zero thing of like Middle America weirdness. But okay. there's also fucking zombies and slow mo dodges and shit. There is a there. Uh, <laughs> how about this? The okay, so. Just to start, it is very much like Max Payne, which is kind of an- antiquated, I guess, at this point. Uh, the third one was a kind of a departure. So what we're really talking about is like Max Payne 1 and 2 yeah, from Remedy, um, which were notable for uh, being very John Woo inspired. Like the the moves were uh, – the move set was very much about like – Dodging, shoot, dodging, slowing down time, shooting guys while you're dodging, and 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 that kind of like bullet. What's the, the bullet ballet? Bullet the, time. Yeah, bullet time. Yeah, very matrix. Gung fu inspired too. But yes, thank you. Um, and this is very, very, very much inspired by that. Um, like not even, not even just the gameplay. Like the entire, like every aspect of the presentation was like clearly, yeah, like they are in love with. Uh, Max Payne to the point where there's like an in-world like radio play or television like (laughs) series that you can sit and watch in a room in the middle of a level. You're getting painkillers to like heal your health. It is Max Payne. It's weird the extent to which like I I, I wonder if they got to a point where they're like, guys, we can't hide this. We should just lean in so far that it becomes like pastiche. Um, yeah, but that is what it is, and it is uh, graphically. I would say it's like even more. It's not even Max Payne one levels because at least then you had Sam Lake's face smeared, <laughs> smeared anyway. across his polygons. <laughs> this is extremely like blocky. Uh, it looks like PS one, yeah. like yeah, the Sega Max Saturn port of Max Payne. Yeah. yeah, it's a look though. I gotta say, yeah, I'm for, into it for someone yeah. who doesn't get, normally go down for like. I, I like this this retro this this take on retro that is, uh, you know, a, a, a just drawing on a different time period. I think it's very. Cool. It seems like there are more of these coming out. Like we had, um, what was that? Uh, Neon white. I think was also kind of pulling from this era, 
And I'm, yeah, I'm into it. I think it allows for like some really creative art design while also just seeming different than like, you know, pixel art that we've seen a million times or whatever. It, um, it starts as a Max Payne uh, pastiche or whatever, but really it's like a love letter to all of Remedy. The, the, the mm. worlds in this feel much more like control than they do anything else or even um, the Xbox game that nobody played. What's it? Quantum, Quantum Break? Quantum, Quantum Break. break. Um, yeah, the, the worlds, there's like no ceilings in the rooms you're in, just kind of like phantasmagorical nothingness. Um, and the reality breaks down a lot similar to, uh, to I mean, again, every Remedy game at this point. Um, yeah, it, there, it does a lot with with very little. I don't, I don't know a better way of saying it. Like it, it also it, just to, one one other thing the the feel wise definitely like a lot of Max Payne. There is definitely like a little bit of that like frenetic '90s first person action thing. Like a lot of the enemies and and the the actual encounters almost feel. Uh, a little doomish, or, or or even serious Sam. Yeah, I was thinking with like serious the, Sam. Yeah, the waves of enemies, mm-hmm. uh, the waves of pretty dumb enemies, like just tossing themselves at you, um, is uh, is 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 feels reminiscent of that. There's also fucking rapping in it. <laughs> yeah, which, there is rapping. That's which is awesome. I think. Like I think, the tone, the lead character uh, is basically like a black monster hunter guy who's like fucking awesome uh, uh voiced by the lead designer and at one point he just starts rapping in the middle of a level and it was like fucking great great i was like so into it every choice it's making is weird and i'm really i dig that it feels very fresh you like sit up and pay attention because you don't really get a sense of what they're doing the the actual mechanics of the thing though are very basic i mean yeah. it's like run and get the green key to open the green door, rescue the hostages, get out. It's just everything else around it from the world to the music to the narrative was like um, really, really sparse. Um, and there, there's a really, like it actually makes a really good, like the character kind of talking to you, not just hearing his monologue, but kind of sensing that someone else is watching or listening, um, which I, I love that shit. Yeah. It's a pretty wild game. Um, definitely worth checking out it's uh, you know it doesn't really have a lot of analogs except Did we talk for... about how it's like fan like it's it's like monsters and stuff <laughs> like it's yeah, not vampires yeah you can use a stake to like wipe out several enemies that get close that part doesn't feel great i think um to get close enough to use the stake enemies usually get a hit in and there's not really like a great feel for that. Like it doesn't feel very good to, to use the stake, I think. And it's mapped to the right thumbstick at least, uh, which is like a weird, uh, weird pull. It could have used like a dash or something to make it feel a little more frenetic a la like the doom remake. Yeah. But it does feel like a last resort kind of thing where you're out of bullets. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't struggle with very much. It's pretty generous as far as that stuff goes. Um, And there's also like, uh accessibility settings so you can like turn off like any of the, you could have like infinite bullet time or infinite ammo if you don't even want to think about it you just want to experience the story and vibe with it which is cool game. by the way and really well acted and yeah the voice acting is like fucking great and it's they also do like great cut scenes with like really clever editing like yeah. jumping through time and doing jump cuts and stuff that i don't know presentationally it just like feels like a really special game that i really dug 
Uh, if you have any nostalgia for that that sort of thing at all, I think you'll really dig it. Hey, let's talk about Chance of Sinar. Okay. This is a fucking good game, man. Write this it one? down right now because you're. it's very easy to forget this title. I had to have someone say it to me three or four times before I could remember it. And even if you say it, you don't necessarily know what they're saying because it's yeah, like homonyms and shit. of Sinar. Well, Sinar is, I don't, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> two N's, two A's. <laughs> two N's, two A's. Um, I played this one yesterday sort of obligatorily where I was like, well, I, I want to come into besties being able to talk about some of the stuff. I haven't given this one a shot yet. Doesn't seem like my jam. Let's play it for a half hour. And then whoops, it was two and a half hours later and I was uh deep deep deeply into it. Uh it's it is scratching the um you know mystery game itch, the curse of the golden idol or uh, uh return of the Obra Din, like that level of kind of uh piecing together stuff uh, bit by bit and unraveling a big mysterious world a- as you go. Um, does someone want to take a swing at explaining the kind of core conceit yeah. of Chance of Sinar? Uh, I'll give it a shot. So you're kind of dropped in this world and throughout the world there are symbols that you'll read on signs or someone will speak to you in these symbols and obviously you don't know what the symbols mean but they do have direct correlation to actual words in English or I guess if you were localized, whatever language. Whatever language. Playing, yeah. So uh, the simple example, the first puzzle you run into, there's a switch and the switch has two sets of symbols. And if you push the switch towards one set of symbols, a door opens, you push the switch towards another set of symbols, the door closes. So, you know, those symbols are open door and closed door because the second set of symbols is the same in both. Right. So there's like logic leaps that you're making to sort of, assume what these symbols mean and then at certain points in the game you'll open up a notebook and they'll be like hey what do these symbols mean and you literally have to like write out what the symbols mean and they'll basically confirm if you're right or not similar to uh Oberdin, the way that if you fill in like a, a whole page correctly or what yeah. was it? it was three three different entries correctly it would like lock them in as you go through chance of sonar you are sort of like solving these little pictogram puzzles and if you can solve a whole page, then it will lock those in and confirm it. And then, you know, if if you're talking to someone and you don't have all of the words translated, it can be weird. Like there's syntax in these different languages for like plurals. Uh, and so if you don't have that, it can be like soldier, soldier, block door. Yeah. But if you have all the things uh, translated, then it will automatically sort of change it to soldiers or soldiers have blocked the door. Uh, and, and that's like pretty much it. Like there's other sort of environmental puzzles that aren't as in- interesting to me. Uh, there's like a slide puzzle you have to do fairly early on that I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, not, not especially challenging. Um, just kind of seems like padding, but the core mechanic of going through this world and like tentatively filling out your notebook based on what you think the words mean and then sort of confirming them later uh, is very, very compelling. And I found myself like digging through every single item and talking to every single person and reading every single sign, trying to um, fill, fill out my Pokedex, so to speak. Yeah, because you really are like every little piece on the wall or every word you speak 
is a slight clue to what you're trying to accomplish. Like where the game gets is wild is that there's different sort of casts of uh, like citizens in this world, and each one has their own language. Yeah. So after you finish sort of the first arc of the game, you are somewhere where people are speaking a completely different language. Now the game becomes about translating this one set of glyphs to the one that you already know and trying to figure out like what the commonalities are. But like it's not just one to one. This word is this word. Again, like there's different syntax rules. Like in this language, they have a special symbol that is uh, that pluralizes the word that follows it. Uh, and and so like all of a sudden, like the structure of the sentences becomes different. Um, that is as far as I have gotten into the game is like this second sort of arc, second language. Um, but it it really uh, it really has enraptured me. I am, yeah, I got uh, super really into, into the trying to translate the language in Tunic. But in that case, it wasn't required at all to beat the game. It was just like a nice bonus if you kind of figured it out. And here, obviously, this is the whole game is like figuring out the languages. But uh, I think the focus of that um, just makes it really rewarding and like awesome when you like it all clicks. And oh, shit, I totally understand what that guy was saying. It sounds like really intimidating. Is it is it does it flow more naturally? It flows very. It gets. It starts so basic. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. Open, close, and then uh, you know, moving on from there. I think the only time that it got kind of overwhelming for me is, uh, I I should have been you. The, you have the ability to like make guesses in your notebook about symbols. Yeah. Like, eh, I'll put this down temporarily, and then when you see that in the yeah. chat, right? But I, I wish I'd been doing that more from the beginning. Like, kind of trying to guess at. Or at least make a hypothesis about this symbol so that later, you know, you start to see it pop up when it's it's grayed out. But you see your word that you've like sort of drafted in there and you see if your word kind of makes sense. Um, I wish I had done that from yeah. the beginning because that involved a good amount of backtracking uh, once I realized that I should have been doing that from the start. And and typing like that does not feel great on the the Steam Deck. It's not very fun to like stop your game and you know type this word in on that the, yeah that's the fair I, I, I don't there, necessarily but, uh, know i guess if you're playing on console it'd be similar but um yeah not a huge deal but it it, it was enough to discourage me from doing yeah, it you know, i didn't want to get in there and fool with it um very cool though i i it is a different type of puzzle game than one i've ever played before and I, that is i read there was a very early like kind of random stealth sequence that I didn't know if it would be that kind of scared me because I didn't know if that would become like a more prominent feature in the game. I've run into a couple of them. They are not that um, like mechanically complex. Uh, the area I'm in now, I am pretty much kill on sight. Um, so it just requires me to like not run towards the <laughs> sword wielding uh, jerks uh, who who populate the the world and sort of stick to the shadows. Um, but I, I, it has not. That stealth sequence involves pressing like two buttons, so it's it it has not. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. Like I didn't know if it was like trying to set up, you know, set me up for a lot more stuff. Um, yeah, I don't. I do not know. It has not been a heavy emphasis so far. Um, uh, like like I said, there's some like environmental puzzle stuff that is just kind of, I I don't know. Uh, check checks the boxes. Um, and but but I it hasn't been enough to kind of get in my way. Um, and it does deliver sort of frequent moments that I love in games like this, where you 
you know, pieces start to cascade in how they fit into place, and it makes you feel like the smartest mm. person who ever mm-hmm. lived. Um, it's it's uh, it's very very cool. I also just really <laughs> like the aesthetic of it. Is the world is beautiful and like yeah, you know, I guess uh, just uh, just a really unique art style to it. Um, Would love to get a sprint. Sprint would be good. There is fast travel, which I do appreciate. Um, I just kind of always would love a sprint. Yeah, <laughs> and a you know a, like a rifle and a double jump. Yeah, maybe cool. <laughs> if I could eat blood to get stronger, new um, game plus gems. Yeah, if I could turn into a hawk, that would be great. Maybe hey, for speaking the next of one. all these great mechanics, let's take a break and we'll talk about a game that has some of them. <laughs> You go get a phone, you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off, because they got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech, you know? The contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all... You already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties now we mentioned blasphemous 2 previously and I, I mentioned i think i was the only yeah. one that had played it or oh no sorry griffin had played it earlier and then kind of bounced off of it for whatever reason 
And so I'm very curious to hear what has uh, caused him to return to it and, and what the moment was when it all kind of clicked for him. Because it is definitely one of the best 2D Metroidvanias I've ever played. T- 2D Metroidvania with like, I-, I thought it would be soulsier than it is. It's more of a soul's light. I mean, if, that, if that's fair to say, They're, aesthetically, and you know, the idea of like resting at uh, checkpoints and the enemies respawn and and stuff like that. But uh, things that are at the the base of like a Souls thing, I don't think is are necessarily as much of a focus as the the Metroidvania aspects of it. Um, I bounced off of it originally because I played it for a few hours and did not feel like I was getting any like stronger throughout the game, um, which is, I guess, a failing of my own part because there are plenty of ways to get stronger. The game has so many little systems from like collectibles you can find in exchange for more flask charges that let you heal more or strengthen those flask charges or increase your max health or your max fervor, which is like the mana that you use to cast spells in the game. Um, None of that stuff is like mandatory. None of that stuff is like signposted in a way where you can't miss it. Right. And so when I first played Blasphemous, I was running around and I'm picking up, I just, my pockets were jangling with empty chalices and, rosary knots and like a bunch of shit that I did not know what to do with. Um, And I think what made it click for me this time was just sort of realizing that anytime you pick up something that it sort of files away in the quest items category of your inventory, pretty much all of that shit you can turn into someone to get stronger um, or get like a new... Uh, you get these little statuettes that you put on a mantelpiece that unlock, like, different bonuses. Like, there's one that make your melee attacks stronger. And then uh, if you pair them up, you can unlock these hidden resonances, they call them, which, like, have these huge, crazy effects, like giving you a barrier of thorns every time you do the dodge. Um, all of that stuff, like, I don't know. It Once it clicks and you start hunting down those items specifically to like get the kind of upgrades that you want it was a fucking blast and i got i i breathlessly played through all of blasphemous 2 in like a, a, a week or so uh and in fact have dived into blasphemous 1 giving it another chance um it is a much harder game yeah uh, with way fewer uh, kind of like empowering mechanics it's also um, like a stiffer experience like you can much see stiffer. where all the budget and like time went in on the sequel yeah the first one did like incredibly well so i'm not surprised that they had a lot more time and effort put into this one but yeah I, i'd be interested <laughs> going back to the original would be a little bit rough for me because so much of the sequel is like refining that experience yes there's certain things like in blasphemous one if you fall into a pit or on onto spikes you die instantly yeah. Which makes platforming real fucking frustrating and hard. Uh, that is not true. In Blasphemous 2, you just like take a bit of damage and then respawn next to it. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, Blasphemous 2 really, really feels incredible. Like combat, every combat encounter feels so good. The bosses are bonkers. Um, and yeah, it's funny that Justin was saying that it's not as soulsy because I think the aspects that are very soulsy are the 
amount that it doesn't directly tell you about that make the game much harder if you don't kind of dive into it or I guess look stuff up. Yeah. But but I actually think like a lot of this game can be figured out if you are patient with it. Like I played it before launch, so there weren't any guides. And realizing, oh, these kind of enemies are weak to mystical damage, so I'm gonna like equip a mystical boosting thing. Yeah. Like there a lot of that stuff makes the game much more manageable from a difficulty standpoint, but you do have to like kind of meet it at its own terms. I will say on just to counter that uh i i stopped playing it because there were no guides when i first got the code and using the guides really helped me out because there's a lot of stuff that smooth the edges off of the thing for for example there is a way that you can unlock fast travel between every like checkpoint there are like these little fast travel gates there's like a handful of them throughout the world that you can use to pop around the map but there's also a way to unlock like fast travel between any like they call them pre-dues uh any any <laughs> checkpoint i don't think i game. knew that also the vibe of the game is unlike anything it's all like spanish catholicism inspired yeah. uh there's more voiced lines too than that you is, would yeah. expect it like really it, it's it feels high touch um, um there's a there's I, a, a dark a darkness to the world uh, like a um I don't know how to put it, a sinister nature to virtually every single thing that exists in the world uh, that even when you meet someone, you're like, oh, this is just a lady who is very big, who (laughs) takes cups and makes my flasks stronger. But then eventually she becomes more and more sort of flayed as time goes on. And you're like, oh, that sucks to see. That's very upsetting. Okay. I, uh, I, uh, just to clarify something, just because I think this is interesting. I, for me... I'm realizing now the thing about like for me to say a game is actually like has that soul's DNA at its core. I think you have to have like this idea of like XP, like losing experience or losing something of great value, money or souls or your currency, losing something like that um, when uh, on death. Like it's that idea of like I should I should push myself farther but the penalty is very high if I push, but that like risk reward calculation, I think that is like the one thing. So when I didn't say it was like it like souls, that is that is the core mechanic. There is like for what it's worth, be. like that mechanic is in the game. You, you there is a punishment for death. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's it's fixable. Like it's a fixed cost. Sure. Punishment, and it's not really like. I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. It's, it's not true. even a punishment, too, because if if you die, you accrue what's called guilt, which like reduces your mana bar, but it also increases uh, the amount of like currency that you get from killing enemies. So like it kind of makes sense to have a little bit of that as you go through the world because it can actually help you out in a way. There's like a risk reward system to it. They also like reward you for removing your guilt you'll get like new unlocks for just like paying the guy that'll remove your guilt yeah which is Um, it's just like filled with like these little touches that didn't need to be there there's like a whole did you get like the true ending stuff griffin i did yes okay but you used like a lot of guides to get there uh yeah probably okay Uh, i I mean it's uh, there's like a whole like meta game of like a riddle that you have to follow that like takes you all over the map oh, right, to like yeah. get a true ending, which is not required or anything. <laughs> Fresh out of here negging yeah. you on the guys. <laughs> no, it wasn't a neg. 
I, 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 you used a lot every of shrine I was no going to say, the reason, the reason I did not see the, the true ending, and this is actually a little bit of a critique from me, is I think it's a little too hard to find all those steps on your own without some sort of map or something. You I think. should try this thing called Google. They got guides. I know, <laughs> I, uh, but I wanted to see or if Polygon. I could do it without That's that That's where first. I go for all my great guides. Hey, yeah. Thank it's you. Not, You're I'm welcome. not flexing. I'm just the saying best it, of the biz. Was a, it was a thing. I was um, trying to let you off, Russ. That was your off ramp for complimenting Polygon. And then you, you were supposed to stop talking. You're free. I'm free for you. Great website. Uh, great game. <laughs> great boss fights. Uh, if you love Metroidvanias, uh, definitely, unquestionably play this fucking game. It rules. Yeah. Okay. The last game I'm going to talk about is called Pizza Possum. And mm. you're a possum who runs around and wait for it. He eats pizza a whole Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week here on go. The Besties. <laughs> uh, pizza Possum is a play. It's a bizarre arcade game. It's only like seven bucks. It's like a little mini indie. And gotta wish you had said it's sixty dollars. It's seventy dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hundred and twenty dollar game called Pizza Possum. <laughs> if you get the collectors set with the feelies, yeah. But it, the it, ultimate it, team mode makes it so worth it. <laughs> the night vision goggles you see like a possum. <laughs> uh, y- you uh, the whole game takes place in a city that looks like like a, a me- Mediterranean like cliffside city, and it's an open world environment it's not huge but it is all open and the whole objective is you eat food it's not just pizza it's a bunch of different food and but there's a bunch of dogs on this city that will chase you down if they spot you eating food and basically set you back to the last checkpoint and once you eat a certain amount of food you earn a key that can then unlock new areas of the map but previous areas are still viable for eating food so you're constantly circling back on old areas to eat more food, to then progress to new areas. It is kind of a great, like if you're looking for a game to play with a kid, great co-op opportunity for kids. It does support two players. Uh, I think the other character is a raccoon, which is also an appropriate uh, food-eating creature. What uh, what platform? I played it on PC. I'm not sure what other platforms is on, but it's definitely on PC. Um, and I had a great time. It was just like a very light, silly um kind of uh low stakes arcade style game uh not something that you would play for like 10 hours or anything like that but uh i think if you're looking for something to kill a half hour with you know a kid or you're just looking to fuck around like pizza possum fucking great so much fun i think we talked about a lot of indie games we might have a few more honorable mentions but before we get into that should we dive into some reader mail I would love that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let me pull open the mail bag. Oh, it's, there's just so much mail in here today. The first letter that's just sitting right on top is from Sophie, and it says, Hey, besties, I'm a longtime fan of Griffin's Pokemon Y Nuzlocke run, and I was wondering if any of you, more realistically Griffin, had any recs for other Nuzlocks to watch on YouTube or elsewhere. Happy Halloween. You know, it's funny, Russ actually introduced me to this conceit uh by sending me uh some Jaden animations uh N- nuzlocke videos which are great they're like 15 minutes each and they are uh animated retellings of of her uh her her adventures in pokemon nuzlocke uh they're they are fantastic henry loves them too henry has watched i think all of them 
Um, so they are very not like they're not uh you know playthroughs necessarily because uh, they are incredibly truncated. Um, but they are super duper entertaining to watch. I will always sort of lean over his iPad whenever I hear him watching one to uh to tune in. I think those are the only ones that I've really ever watched though. Uh, let's see what else I got here. I got this one from Sean. It's a very large letter, um, written in, uh, Sanskrit. Uh, luckily I can translate it. Uh, <laughs> my, my wife and I recently got an Apple family plan giving us new access to Apple Arcade. Can you recommend a top five to ten list for Apple Arcade games? Top five to ten. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of ridiculous fishing. We've talked about. Let's do five. Let's do five. Let's do five. I'm going to say ridiculous fishing. We've talked about it before. It's going to be one of mine. It's definitely one of the best on there that I have played. Um, I'm going to say what the golf. Ooh, what the golf is good, and what the car that can count as two. That's great. Um, also a great game uh, to play with kids. That what the golf, what the car might be Mosey's favorite video game. That's not called Sonic. Um, I'm gonna say Card of Darkness. Oh, oh yeah. Card of Darkness that game? is great. Yeah. yeah, Zach Gage and uh, art by uh, Adventure Time creator Pendleton Ward. That one's great. Uh, Pocket Card Jockey. That oh, one's really cute. Hell yeah! If you haven't played that, that's a fun one. There's also um, like Dead Cells is on there now. Stardew Valley is on there now. Yeah, I mean, once you get into like There's Dead so Cells, much. Slay the Spire, like you're kind of good on Grindstone. The games. Grindstone. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a very, I tell you, it's weird, man. The, the Apple Arcade thing, I've been a subscriber since it started, and not to brag, <laughs> but, but wow. uh, I've been a subscriber since it started. Uh, it, what used to be a really, like, killer way of filtering out, even more valuable than the access was, like, the filtering of the mm. the App Store to just, like, choice nugs. Um, that has gotten, like... Uh, a lot more uneven lately. There's a lot more like solitaire type things and and stuff like that, like filling the uh, filling the the Apple Arcade at this point. Um, I also gotta say, I the the more I go, the more infuriating it gets that you have to sit through the fucking Apple Arcade thing every time that you start an <laughs> Apple Arcade game. <laughs> Uh, they just close almost immediately, and then you got to see the stupid logo again. But other than um, that. Sayonara Wild Hearts is also on there. Oh, that's oh yeah. yeah, good pick, good, good pick, good pick. Um, I got another letter here, a little tiny one that I'm just going to unfold, and it is from Georgia. Would you guys be interested in playing a Danganronpa game or the Game Master Detective Archive Rain Code? Yeah. I mean, I have. Yeah, well, you... Is this, like a, is this the beginning of a sales pitch? <laughs> I fe- I, I, can I? <laughs> What's it going to take to get you inside of a Danganronpa? We've played um, Dang- I mean, I have. I played I every have. Danganronpa. I played yeah. uh, Master Detective Archives earlier this year, but fell off of it because uh, it's a Switch exclusive and the performance is pretty shitty. So um, Yeah. That was the one where it was like it had some robot stuff. Uh no. No, what uh, was that? That was the one where you went into a mystery dungeon essentially to try and solve mysteries and you were guided by a ghost who was sort of building the dungeon around you. It is basically it's basically yeah. Danganronpa is like solving solving murders via mini games. Um Justin, you you might think of uh AI Somnium files. Yes, that's Could what Could that be thinking. where we are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we can talk about those sometimes. I don't know if we will have t- 
time before Halloween. But if we do, it'd be fun to do a B segment where we talk about some of our favorite. Uh, I'd love to go games. through the nonary game with you guys sometime. Hell <laughs> yeah, dude. Let's just be do cool. the nonary game games. Um, uh, we got time for like one or two more questions. Yep. Perfect. Uh, this one is from uh, Casio. This is a retro game question, probably mostly for Griffin, but I'd be thrilled to hear everyone's perspective. I recently managed to purchase an analog pocket and transparent pur- transparent purple. Hell yeah, Don, I'm me wondering too. what games y'all would recommend for it. Thanks. Oh. So uh, before we for like games. all of history, is this what you're asking us? Well, before no, we... it's of the of the the platforms that. Fresh, I feel like you're going to set some helpful boundaries for us. Is that what you're doing? Uh, No, I'm mostly going to talk to Griffin directly. Griffin. Hey. Don't you already have an analog pocket? Yeah, I do. Are they sitting next to each other? The purple one's not here yet. They just went on sale last Friday. Um, But the one I have isn't transparent purple. That's fair. Mm. I don't know what it is that is surprising you <laughs> about this i like it's not surprising i just okay. want you to make sure that you're looking inward at times and seeing no yeah no i am but i i'm a grown man and so you know i make i make the decisions that are best for me atomic um, purple decisions i'll probably mod one of them yeah um that's no, sort that, of, that rationalizes it i'm i'm yeah, into that rational that. that's uh okay i mean uh, fuck, man. Uh, I mean, Castlevania, pretty much all the Castlevania GBA games, right? Especially Aria of Sorrow yep. is an all-timer. Uh, I'm looking at my collection right next to me. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, can't beat it. Uh, Metroid, Fucking Mario Zero. Golf games, both the Game Boy Color Mario Golf and the sure. Game Boy Advance Mario Golf, both amazing. Um, uh, both Metroid games, uh, I would say uh, Minish Cap, very very good can't go wrong um golden sun man golden sun is real good i'm i'm exclusively talking about gba games because i think they sort of far outpace game boy color games in terms of quality okay On gba sick you run fast punch fast it's all fast <laughs> um yeah i all the one i usually come back to probably the gba game i've played the most by a pretty wide margin is uh castlevania aria of sorrow because it's like maybe my favorite metroidvania game ever um, do you like it more than dawn of sorrow yes i think so they're very um, close they are they are quite close um wario where twisted nobody has that game though that'd be wild that'd yeah, be that wild like list yeah I got I got one other quick question that is on this like have we talked about this before on the show? Uh, this one is from Don asking on the subject of indie games. Can I trick the besties into playing RimWorld if I say it's a Stardew Valley mod? Have any of you played RimWorld? I feel I've like tried playing it a couple times. I I, yeah? I I I struggle with this genre. I guess I don't struggle with it. I just don't like it very much. <laughs> if I say I've played a lot of games like this and haven't enjoyed any of them, that's not a struggle as much as it is just a personal taste thing. But like, Can Rim- you describe Rim- what RimWorld is? Oh, geez. It is a, a sort of outer space settlement simulator where you uh, are, are you have like a team of people that have different kind of um, characteristics and traits, uh, and you settle on these different planets, and you have to 
try and make a go of it, but the challenges presented by those planets are different. The planets are procedurally generated. Um, and like some of the traits of your colony are good and helpful, and some of them are very bad. Uh, it's very, it's very much like Dwarf Fortress, which is the other game in this genre that I've really made a go of a few times, and uh, it it hasn't clicked for me on paper. Very cool, like there's random events, and there's like a, a like an AI storyteller that uh you know as you play through and and try to scrap out a life on these harsh planets like a story kind of uh is is created but it is i i find that it is like the stuff i don't like about the sims like managing your different meters and stuff it is that times a thousand and it just um i i it, it that is not to say it is a bad game i've heard rimworld is is quite good um, it's just, I don't know, that amount of micromanagement that these types of games require is just not very enjoyable for me. Um, so yeah, it does seem very intimidating. That yeah. is, that is why I've been scared of it. And yet one of those games that I'm sure once you put a hundred hours in, probably one of your favorite games of all time. But I think, yeah, this might be one of those. There are certain games I feel like just by dint of how we do this show and our age and responsibilities it's hard for us to ever get this deep into a game 141,000 reviews on steam jesus overwhelmingly positive yeah i just want to say this person asked a simple yes or no question and we have just absolutely belabored it beyond all you are so yeah it's a hard no right simple no (laughs) this is just a yes or no yes or no no let's 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 go right on to our honorable mentions and keep this train moving yeah, baby. Sorry to objectify you like that plan. I didn't mean to. No, I, I honestly, when it when it comes from you, I'm okay with it. And okay, I feel, good. you know, flattered. You know what I'm okay with? The fact that I finished Phantom Liberty. Yeah, me too. Yeah, great. Nice. I just wanted to say, with obviously, like, can't get into anything spoilery, but I, I do want to say that you are asked to make one or two, like, pretty giganto choices in that DLC. And Griffin and I had wildly different experiences, not from a narrative perspective. I mean, obviously that, but uh, just in the things that we did, um, just completely different. Mine was a pretty big bummer of a stealth sequence, and Griffin sounded pretty sick. So That's pretty fucking tight, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, I I finished that That's DLC. That's the Cyberpunk DLC for people that yeah. needed to remember what it was called. I finished the DLC, and in... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it opens up after it ends it opens up like a a, a different ending for the main game like that you can kind of unlock um and that bugged out for me oh, and i couldn't shit. do it so me that, too. i that, had a pretty really? bad bug also i had a door right that just didn't open uh that i couldn't get through yeah. uh, you know so. it's deep deep in that code you can't rid yourself fully of cyberpunk yeah it's it's yeah it's that was a and the 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 final sequence I played was a pretty big bummer, but uh, other than that, very cool DLC. Yeah, I think the storytelling and like character development it was a hard. It is one of the harder choices, like not black and white choices that a um I think a game has kind of presented me before. Uh, I yep. was very very torn about who to kind of side with and um what to go for, and uh yeah, it was neat. I kind of wish I had started fresh 
Because now, like, that I finished Phantom Liberty, I'm getting calls from characters that I did not meet because I, well, I'm, I guess I met them the first time I played the game. Um, but now but you I have no, no, memory no fucking there. clue who yeah. any of these people are. Um, but yeah, Judy, Judy, you know, Judy, you know, Judy. Yeah. It is funny though. You, <laughs> you can call characters that are important in the main game while you're doing the DLC, obviously, because it's like part of the whole thing. But the, some of the characters have absolutely nothing to do. And they sound so fucking surprised. <laughs> like, you can call Judy and she's like, what's up? Like, what are you into? And you're kind of, like, just idly chatting with her about the DLC. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's this weird, like, different people and stuff. And she's like, ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, call anytime, I guess. But it's just like, I'm not, I don't really have anything to do here. But... <laughs> Uh, we have another indie, uh, a couple other indie games to talk about in this honorable mention section. Yeah, y'all are gonna do Japanese rural life adventure for Resties, so we don't That's have to right. go too far into it. But me and Juice have both been getting real into that one. Um, I'm, 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 I'm quite enamored with it. It's Apple Arcade, so that is yeah, another Apple Arcade game to mention. You're yeah. looking for another one of those. It, it really takes a lot of this the sort of life sim stuff that you would get in a Stardew Valley or a, you know, I guess Animal Crossing. And really sort of simplifies it to a one-touch format. Um, The game is very much about, like, you have a book, like a checklist of things you are doing to renovate this house in the Japanese countryside. Um, And it's it's very zen-like in how it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go smash up some rocks and then lay them gently down to create a koi pond. And I might have to take a few naps along the way. Uh, but once I do that, I can, you know, unlock this shrine that'll help me get a bamboo stick that I need to do this thing. Um, it's not challenging at all. There's Um, not a creative aspect to it. I should mention, like, it's worth mentioning that as opposed to like Stardew or Animal Crossing, there's not a lot of like, do it, put these things wherever you want. Like it's pretty, it's a lot more, uh, on rails than that. Yeah. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, I, it's I think neat. it's fantastic. I, I don't want to have to design a farm. Thank you. <laughs> um, Fresh, what, what are these controller things that you've been uh, fiddling with? Yeah, so years ago, when the Switch came out, I remember struggling to find something that like made the Switch somewhat ergonomically okay to hold while you're in right. handheld mode, which I mostly played in. And I remember years ago, I tried, I think it was called the Zen Grip back then, which was made by Satisfy. Um, and it was good. It definitely made the switch easier to hold. The downside was every time I docked the switch, I needed to remove the grip off of it. And that was a total drag. So I kind of just like lived in my drawer and I never really touched it again. Um, they reached out recently cause they had a new version of it that basically allows you to dock it. And so I've been using that, which is really nice just because all of the, grips that i normally use on switch like the uh split pad pro for example don't have the 3d rumble that is like proprietary to nintendo controllers and with all the making such a great use of that feature i know you wouldn't want to miss out on it i mean all the first party (laughs) games actually do make a great use of that feature i know there's some cynicism there but (laughs) nintendo first (laughs) yeah uh so i did actually miss those features so being able to go back and have like an option that was using the rumble of the grips but have like actually good ergonomics has been really nice. Yeah, Same. I use that split. Is the split grip the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use this this Hori split pad yeah. uh, pro thing. 
it feels a lot better, but it kind of it it fucks the 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 silhouette of the thing so badly that it almost like <laughs> starts to feel kind of silly. Like I mean, it, 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 the silhouette becomes like a a Steam Deck silhouette. Basically, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's very chunk. It's very chunky. It does not slide into bags or cases well. Yeah, um, but um, it is more comfortable for me to use. Yeah, which is to say, good segue, because they also made a grip for this Steam Deck, which I'm going to struggle to even pronounce what they call this grip. It's called the Stealth Grip, but there's a Y in the middle of it. Crazy. Um, But I am also like kind of there have been moments where I've struggled with the ergonomics of the Steam Deck. I think it's better than the Switch, but still there are certain like buttons like the back buttons that I've struggled to hit. And so they basically made a thing that you slot the Steam Deck in. Same idea. And it has been like a dramatic improvement in terms of the ergonomics of the steam deck. Russ, I'm looking at this thing, man. It's huge. I want to, I want to believe you, but this really turns it into a, it's very big. A lot. Yeah. It's like laptop adjacent at this point. I mean, (laughs) I don't think it's that much bigger than a normal steam deck, which is already very big. So you're already making a commitment for it. Um, I mean, it's sort of up to you. I know Justin, you were recently talking about how like a little old grandma, you use a lap pillow to play steam deck games this might make it a so little maybe easier. if I added some bulk, yeah. <laughs> it would help. <laughs> I, I, there are like a lot of buttons that I like previously found to be annoying to use on the Steam Deck, and using this has actually helped a lot. Um, to it to does. Actually. I could see how if you were supporting it a bit more, like if your support was coming a bit more from the grip versus the like supporting the weight of it. You know what I mean? It yeah, seems like could, you could like maybe the friction this would add. I could see how that might be. A little bit easier on the on the wrist. This possibly. adds like a dramatic amount of. Fr- it's like you're holding sandpaper almost. It's like so frictiony. Boy, you're giving this a good sand. <laughs> I tried to hire you away. It's I'm it's a, a little, fine grit sandpaper. It's a big thick. It makes it bulky and like sandpaper, and it's only fifty dollars. <laughs> what you got to lose? Here's what I say. I liked it. Uh, I I've been using it, and it hasn't uh, been removed since I uh, attached it. So if you're looking for Pre-order a slightly now. different ergonomic experience on your Steam Deck. Uh, worth checking out. I'm pre-ordering now. Yeah. Uh, I have been playing a game called Moonring that uh, Fresh recommended to me, and I think uh, every indie developer has recommended to Fresh. It is free, free dollars on uh, on Steam right now, and it is made by one of the former developers on Fable, and it is a Commodore-esque, like, Old, old, old school RPG, but with just infinite quality of life improvements uh, that make it actually enjoyable and playable versus like going back and trying to play a Commodore game, which especially if you've never played them before, good luck. Um, It's very charming. We're going to talk about it, I think, quite a bit more on Resties um, because I know Frosh has strong feelings. So I'll leave that there. And then also I saw Eyes Without a Face. Have any of y'all ever seen this movie? No, or heard of it. It's like a, it's a horror movie, a French horror movie from, I don't know, like 1960 or something. Oh, yeah. But it kind of falls in line with like um, universal horror movies, like Universal Studios. So if you like uh, Frankenstein or Dracula or uh, Invisible Man, any of those, this is like very similar vibes. I had resisted it for a while because it, plays with like disfigurement which is a thing that i usually am not a fan of in movies but overall i thought this was like 
was just really interesting. And if you are like me, a person who's looking for just something new to watch during October of each year, I would say this is worthwhile and, and you should put it on your list. Wow, that's a lot of entertainment for everyone to ingest. We did. Well, don't it. eat them. Don't eat the game. Don't eat the game, especially not the Switch ones. They taste bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. We have Archibald Yates, Gamer D945, and oh boy, Chunt Grunt Punch is, I guess, what I'm going <laughs> to say out loud. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Assassin's Creed Mirage. The return of the Assassin's Creed franchise. I have not played one. Oh, I guess I played Valhalla, but I hadn't played one in quite a while since then. And I think uh, we're going to be jumping back in. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out. I know nothing about it. That'll be up next and so much more. You never know what you're going to get on an episode of Besties. So be sure to join us again next time for the Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.